Hey guys, welcome to Save Continue Podcast, where every week we get every other week we get together and talk about video games and video game related stuff. As always, I'm Shanae Howard, and with me is Ryan Robinson. What up? 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 That's enough of that. Okay. That's 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 fine. That's that's enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing lately? Um, well. I have been playing uh, a lot of Yakuza Five, um, which I'm still I'm steadily working my way through that series. Um, I thought that I would go to Yakuza Six immediately after, but then I remembered that I have recently purchased Scarlet Nexus, so uh, I'm work. I'm I just started that today, but yeah, Yakuza Five. The Nexus, or, a part of the franchise. No, Scarlet Nexus is a completely <laughs> different thing. I was I. I don't know what Scarlet franchise or Scarlet Nexus is, so I. Uh, Scarlet Nexus is this very, very. Um, it's a, it's an, it's one of those. It's an anime, styled, uh, a- uh character action, uh, video game, uh, where you play as, uh, one of two members of this. What you play as one of two characters, who are members of this like, um, elite. Uh, force of individuals who um, fight monsters to defend humanity. Monsters are being called others, capital O, others. And every, mm. every member of this of this group has like a unique power. Like some of them can uh, turn their skin into armor. Others have pyrokinesis. Others have telekinesis and things like that. And uh, so each uh, each level... Um, involves you uh, taking like going into the map and like killing, you know, the monster that they tell you to while fighting other monsters on the, the way, other. If, while fighting other monsters on the way, um, and it's really neat. Like there, uh, I'm I'm so y- there are two playthroughs from what I can tell. There's like I don't remember their names, but there's a there's a guy and there's a there's a girl that you can play as, and I'm playing as a guy right now, and he's his power is telekinesis, and the way that. Uh, the way that the combat works is you have your melee attack, which uh, he uses a katana to for his melee attacks, and then you also have your telekinesis. And the combat system works in su- as such a way that like you can blend the two together. So like while you're sl- while you're slashing with your sword, you can hold uh, you can hold R two on the controller. And that will have him grab a nearby object and throw it at the monster as part of the combo, and then you can you know, resume attacking. Um, and then you go, so you're a Jedi. Uh, no cooler than a Jedi, honestly. Um, just cause Rude. you know, Jedi's are, yeah, I'm not going to get into my opinions about star Wars here, but, uh, I will say that what's neat is that you have different, um, there are different people who can go on missions with you and you're all linked by this, uh, by, uh, there's like, I can't remember the system. It's like, it's SAS. I don't remember what SAS stands for, but essentially it makes it so that <laughs> it makes it so that your party members can lend you their powers in different ways uh, alongside in addition to using them themselves. Like, uh, so if you bring the girl who has pyrokinesis with you, she can imbue your sword with fire and make it so that you're doing fire attacks. Uh, or there's this girl who can who can move like really, really fast. And so you can borrow her power and then you can move fast and everything around you slows down. And you can usually combine like powers to do uh, to do to do different attacks. 
Um, nice. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, some sort of um, there seems to be some sort of relationship building mechanic that plays directly also into the action gameplay. Like the the it, the closer you you the the stronger your bond with the character, the diff- the more effects that you can activate by using their powers. Um, I'm really I'm very early on in the game because, like I said, I just started it today. But uh, so far, I, I like, really like it. I like the idea that uh, <clears throat> variants and being able to play based off of combining with other people's. Yeah, it's a it's a really neat game. Um, I played the demo for it uh, about two weeks ago, um, which is like the first demo that I've played since like I don't know since like the 360, I guess. Um, and but it, it it gave me a really good idea of how much I would like the game. And like ever since then, uh, ever since I played the demo, like I've been really excited about this game. Um, and like I said, I just finished uh, Yakuza Five, and so I'm I I think before I jump into to the next entry in the Yakuza series, I'm going to play through Scarlet Nexus and get what I can from that, um, and then go through uh, go th- go through the rest of the Yakuza games. But like. This and this is something that I'll cover in uh, our discussion in a little bit. But like every Yakuza game, with the exception of one of them, has made me cry at least once. Uh, like the themes, the themes in Yakuza are so like it's weird, right? Because I think that like Yakuza, like in terms of like the way that it presents itself most of the time is very over the top and in a lot of ways is kind of cartoonish, but I feel like Yakuza as a franchise um, more realistically portrays like the human range of emotion than any other video game I ever played. Um, and it's, it's refreshing because like, that's not something that you find a lot, especially like in, uh, in, and action and gives the action adventure category, but um, yeah. So I've been I that's one of the reasons I've been really enjoying them. And I'm it, it looks like I'll be going to Yakuza Six within the next week or so, and then uh, we'll see where that goes because it's going to be Judgment or maybe like a Yakuza like a Dragon. We'll see. Um, and also, I've actually been playing um, a little bit of Red Dead Online uh, as of late. How's that been? Uh, it's been nice because like in the early days of Red Dead Online, well, when Red Dead Online first uh, started, there was like, so in the, in the single player component of Red Dead Redemption 2, like cities were like very, very vibrant and like there's all these people and people like they're like NPCs like doing their thing or whatever. But when Red Dead Online first started, there was like none of that. Uh, like the, you would have the towns from the single player game, but they were all like basically empty, and it was like very weird because like there there was they were empty with the exception of like you'd be able to find the NPC that sells you shit, and the there's the barber NPC, but like every like every other NPC was just like absent, and it was like just the weirdest thing. Um, and also, but like the the big the big thing about the experience though was like. There's a lot of griefing, and to an extent, there still is quite a bit of griefing on there. Um, but now, I think I feel like I'm more often, more often than not, if I run into another player online, like we'll usually like ignore each other. But 
Uh, it's a, it's like actually been like, it's been a good game to like, kind of just Red Dead Online has been like a really good way to like, kind of just chill out because like, nice decompress game. Yeah. Because like I can, because you know, you don't really actually have to do anything specifically. Um, and like, I've been spent like a lot of it's been me like, you know, I'll like ride around on the horse and like see different things or like I'll go fishing and like, it's all like very chill. And then, like, if I happen to feel like it, then I can just jump into, like, a mission, um, you know, where I have to, you know, where I have to fight somebody or whatever. But, like, overall, it's, like, a very, it's, like, it's got very chill vibes for the most part. Because, like, there's not a lot of, like, a lot of the, a lot of the sound in that game is just, like, background nature noises. There's not, like, a lot of, there usually isn't music playing in that game. So, a lot of it is just, like, like, the sound of, like like birds singing or like if you're near if you're near like a river like there's the sound of the river and it's like it's very soothing um it's just the only thing about it is that that game is so fucking massive like in terms of file size that like uh if as for as long as red dead redemption is 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 installed like it's severely it severely hampers like how much other stuff i can install because like uh, I'm trying to keep my hard drive like below 75% full, but Red Dead Redemption is 100 gigabytes, and so yeah, everything else gets moved around, and yeah, but yeah, that's that's basically what I've been playing. I've been playing a little Knockout City here and there uh, with my wife. Um, we played a little bit my, today. So, my wife. My, yeah, my wife, Borat, um, and that's. So I think that's all I've been. Yeah, that's that's about it. Oh, and Guilty Gear Strive. I've been playing a lot of that. I'm still garbage at it, but you know it's fun. You know it's a it's a it's a great fighting game. It's probably the best fighting game that I've played in the last few years. So I'm I'm excited to play more of it. Um, nice, and that means a lot because now you're more into fighting games than you've ever been. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I've got a lot of life stuff going on, but um, Birdo hasn't really been playing a lot of WoW. Some of it's because we recently bought a house this week. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. And um, he just knew that there was going to be a lot of time he wasn't going to be able to dedicate to raids, so he hasn't joined any raiding parties. Uh, And, like, just, like, the things that he's doing, he's kind of, like, tapped out. There's not, like, a whole lot of things for him to work for. So he's been playing the Switch more, and... He has started playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. And he's played Awakening, and I think that's the only other Fire Emblem game he's played. But um, with things going on, I haven't been working as much, and I've been watching him play Fire Emblem. And so it got me into playing it again. And I played it here and there, because one of my friends got it, and I think I've mentioned it on and off the show. Like I'll play a couple hours a week, not nothing really intense, just kind of going and checking on my characters. Yeah, and uh, it's just been really fun watching him play. And uh, there, not a whole lot of games recently where he like asks me questions about it or things that I know. So it's been really fun being able to give him tips and tricks and like, hey, like these are things that I just don't even care about because there's just so many things to do in that game. But there is a mechanic that has always bothered me, and I'm on my fifth playthrough. I've played this game a lot. I also accidentally deleted most of my save data and Rad. that kind of k- killed me. Killed me. But so like That's drama, the, baby. 
in in this because uh, I was trying to free up some spots for him to save things, uh, and I deleted the wrong things. But uh, with this, whenever I start a map, like you pick your units and they put them on the map. But I only saw them like I couldn't figure out how to move them besides when you first pick them. So what I would do sometimes, if I would pick a character and I'd put it in a spot I didn't want, I would take it off and then put a character I don't want, get get the person I want to where they were, and then take off the character and then put somebody else in that spot. And that's the only place I could, only way to figure out how to move things. Um, yeah, whenever you're just checking out the map, like before you start the fight, you can you can click on them and and like switch swap them around. And I never realized that ever. I've played on my fifth playthrough. And I never realized how to even just, like, stack characters. And because of him playing it for the first time and figuring that out, it's been a game changer. And so I've been playing it a lot more as well. Um, and it's really funny because there's a lot of characters that I don't give a shit about and I find very boring. Like who? Uh, that Put he... him on blast. Linhart. I don't care about you, you sleepy bastard. I yeah. just don't. He's just so Lorenz... sleepy and stupid. Lorenz? It... it... Like and your purple, yeah. like stupid haircut, and, and and you love the tea. I I think the tea parties is like super annoying. So I love stupid. the Tommy games. Tea parties, I yeah. find them so boring. Like, who's doing tea parties find... now? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, come on, come, come on, anime Hogwarts. Yeah, what is this? Anime Hogwarts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Um. So I'm <laughs> playing that. I've also really, really gotten into uh, Star Wars lore. Uh, we finally got to a part... We've been watching Star Wars Clone Wars, and I and it has been such a bog. I was really excited to see what happens between Episode 2 and 3, yeah. and everyone talked about how great, even before they made the last season, but the last two seasons, like I think 5 and 6, were of Clone Wars, and then 7 came out when they redid it, and everyone said how amazing it was. And I... Oh, I have not been enjoying my time until sure. recently. It has gotten better. I also started watching Rebels at the same time because I hate myself, and it's very confusing going to the two different timelines uh, or time of events. Sure. Because it's, I know you said earlier you were talking about it, but for anybody who cares, it's episode two, mm -hmm. Star Wars Clone Wars animated series, mm -hmm. episode three, mm -hmm. then Rebels. Okay. Uh, so, and then. And then Solo, Rogue One, and then Episode 4. But, uh, so I, I've been watching all of it. It's been super fun. I I thought Ahsoka Tano was, like, a fine character from what I saw in, like, Mandalorian and what I heard about her. But And also the first couple seasons, I thought she was fine. I know some people complained about her, but she's also supposed to be a, like, tween in the very beginning. So, like, those are all annoying. Uh, but yeah, now I see like how badass she is. I've been loving all of it. Uh, and I've gotten into Legends, the extended universe that's no longer officially canon. And I really want to play, I play a little bit of Old Republic online, but I didn't really get into it. But I'm really excited to get everything moved. And then I'm going to play the Old Republic. And I, and yeah, I just, I've been, I've been fully into Star Wars lately. Yeah. I, it's. It's been, uh, it's been the thing that's been keeping me sane to any degree. <laughs> well, you know, Shanae, as long as it makes you happy, right? Are you happy yeah, with your Star also, Wars? I, yeah, yeah. I also, I, I've always hated, I, I mean, I still think 
in the movies, Anakin and Padme's relationship is garbage. Also, in the animated their relationship is garbage. But I, and I never understood why Padme would want to be with Anakin ever until recently. And I've read the novelizations of the first three movies, uh, and it gives a lot more like insight into thought processes and stuff. And now I begrudgingly get why they're together. I still don't think Anakin's a little whiny baby, but uh, I get it more now. Uh, so really, yeah, I've just been doing a lot of Star Wars, packing, moving, stressful stuff, uh, medication changes, and Fire Emblem. Or, I think I said Fire Emblem first in Star Wars. I yeah. don't know. But that's... My brain's a little bit gone. But uh, this week, though, you, uh, you kind of mentioned it before. Uh, Yakuza, you said, made you think about the normalization of men showing vulnerability vulnerability in video games yeah and i would love to talk about that yeah uh so um i would consider myself to be like for the most part i consider myself to be an emotionally intelligent person and i think that has a lot to do with my upbringing honestly um because i i think that like my mom has always been very um She's always been very supportive of me showing my emotions and uh, expressing myself in that way. And so, like, it has always been it always it has always felt normal to me to do that. Uh, but, you know, growing up, especially like when when you're someone who loves action movies and video games, it's not something that you see in men a lot. Right. And it's 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 so it's not something that is presented as normal for the most part. Um, like we think like I think about like. I think about the few examples that, you know, I've been able to come up with as far as like stuff in the action genre. Like I've, I've made fun of it quite a lot over the last like decade and a half um, only because like of how cheesy the scene is. But there's a scene in um, I think it's the first Gears of War game. It's either the first Gears of War game or the second. I can't remember. But uh, there's a scene where um one of the main characters, Dominic Santiago, is finally re- reunited with his wife. Um, <laughs> and she's like, she's just very, she's all fucked up and she's, she's, you know, she's not long for this world, right? And and that scene, you know, Dom is, is, is distraught and he's, he's not quite, he's, I don't remember him like quite crying, but like he's, it, he's very, He's very visibly upset. He's distressed. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, that scene is really corny for the most part. But, like, at the same time, it shows – it does show something that we don't see a lot in video games, which is, like, men being emotionally vulnerable and showing, like, a real emotion that that exists outside of anger. Because um, I think that, like – I think that we present – a lot of time anger is presented to be a very manly, quote-unquote – emotion and that is like the that is the emotion that you know when a man shows it you know it's not it, it's not weird it's it's just something that's accepted it, it's 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 go time yeah so <laughs> um and so and get in playing through the yakuza games um uh after finishing the the fifth installment in that series so one thing i i noticed is that like there are themes in the, in those games that are pretty persistent throughout um and that's and so there's it seems like um 
like friendship and brotherhood and um and but along and but in 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 exploring those themes a lot of the time we will also see um you know people opening up emotionally we'll see these characters opening them up emotionally to to each other and a lot of the time and like mo- like uh, most of the time in that series um the person on screen doing the crying is a man and and again that's not something we see often right a lot of times like if we see someone crying on screen in a video game um it's a woman and that's one of those things that people don't have a problem accepting because like we just that's that's a stereotype that we are perpetu- emotional yeah but that's that's a stereotype about women that we per- that we perpetuate yeah. um because it's it's convenient right but um so um you know i'm not going to say who it is in case anybody here is on the uh is thinking of playing through the yakuza games like i have but um uh in yakuza 3 um uh, the main character uh, Kazuma Kiryu, he um, he loses a really close friend, uh, like to, like his friend get like his friend gets shot, right? And his friend is lying there dying, and um, they're basically he's talking about like because Kiryu had had this conversation with him uh, previously about like what it means to be a man and what it means to kind of step up to the plate, and um. And giving his life to save Kiryu, he like asks Kiryu like he's like um, he's he's like says something along the lines of, like him like do you think am I like a real am I a real man now um, like you know like am I am I strong am I like am I as strong as I should be at this point and like it's a very emotional scene and when when his when Kiryu's friend breathes his last like you see. For the first time in the series, like Kiryu actually, that's the first time I've seen him cry in like the whole time. And it's like, it's, and it's not like, it doesn't feel like hammy at all. It's like a very realistic, like very, like, it's a very um, uh, honest portrayal of, of that kind of loss and what someone's immediate emotional reaction would be to that kind of loss. Um, because I think that in, in a lot of times, especially in action stuff, like when, when when characters lose a friend in battle, like the reaction is like is very stone faced, and it's just like or it's just no. Yeah, it's something along the lines of like like that, right? It's like it, but like it, it's never showing people being like open and emotional and like and and crying in that way. Um, and I remember uh, earlier on in the series, um, uh, Kiryu has this conversation with a friend of his who um who is going to betray him because uh for one reason or another i mean i know the reason but i don't i don't want to spoil it but like in this conversation like they're like like this this the friend is the friend that's going to betray him like honestly doesn't want to and oh i lost you i lost you on video oh sorry it's my apple watch is going crazy and it affected my and it pulled up the camera (laughs) sorry it's okay um but like it's a uh it's one of those scenes where it's like hey like like kitty is making it very hard for him to do this to do this to go through this betrayal and as a conversation like there's just like there's these two people who are like being open and honest and real with each other and like 
like these emotions are 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 being laid out in the open right and and they're talking honestly and frankly about what they're feeling and what they're going through um and and i noticed like and thinking about this and other examples in the Yakuza series i also think about like this seems like uh something that i've grown accustomed to specifically in japanese video games um because i i because i then i think about like i think about metal gear solid and there's a character named otacon um who he otacon is present in um and the first four games of the series, right? And, well, no, the, he's present in three of the first four games. And in every game, he, uh, he cries, like, a lot. Uh, and, and I think, I try to think about, like, and it's, like, and it's always, like, something, like, it has something to do with him being in love, or, it, like, it always has something to do with him losing someone that he loves, Right, and it always has something to do with like dealing with loss in that way, and and again, like I said a moment ago, like when 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 a male character on screen like deals with loss, it's like it's like the example you pointed out. It was like no, right? But is uh, and then correct me if I'm wrong because I have listened to a, a a podcast trying to explain the Metal Gear series story. Yeah, but um. Isn't there like a like a female? This is before Snake becomes the big boss. There's like a female leader. It's like oh. a predestined that he takes her down. Oh, it's the boss, and like, yeah. And uh, like he has to kill her, and it isn't like like a bittersweet thing. Like it's not like something like you like you're supposed to feel like accomplished about. It's something that yeah. had to be done. Yeah, yeah. So and it's like and that and, and these are and like that's something that like. And again, that's something that that shows itself in Yakuza as well is just like the idea of like, I really I don't want to, like I I can fight and I am capable of fighting and I am willing to to go through this fight because it it is a me it is the only means to this end that I'm trying to achieve, but it's not something that I actively want to do. And after it's done, I'm not going to feel good about it, right? And that's something that you know that's but that, even but even then, does Snake cry or react when he has to do it or is it another like thing where he's like pretty solemn about it so but I, it's not showing and that's the thing about but i mean like i don't i don't think snake is like a really emotional person so like whether he was male or female like like a furiosa yeah. kind of character yeah i think he would, he would probably have the same reaction and that one it makes more sense with his characterization if it's my understanding of how that that storyline went down yeah uh well like i think that like it's weird right because i think that snake is Snake has always shown a capability of understanding like different nuances of excuse me different nuances of like human emotion and like understanding how people could be conflicted in the ways that they are but at the same time and and like if you if you ever watch like a like a like cutscenes from a Metal Gear game like he will speak at length about how much he understands these things but at the same time it's not often that you see him so affected that he will cry about anything. And like, if there's, if there's ever a moment, I think when, and I keep in mind that like a lot of, and in this conversation, I'm, I'm talking about solid snake and uh, big boss interchangeably because I feel like they're kind of presented similarly in all the games that they, that they appear in. But like, for example, in Metal Gear Solid 3, when 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 uh, Big Boss has to kill 
you know, the boss. Um, like it's like it's a uh, it, that relationship is important to him, right? Like he didn't want to fight this person. He didn't like he was like he was hoping like it wouldn't come to this, right? But like it did. And there's there's obviously an emotion that goes there where like you have to physically physically fight someone that you look up to and respect and probably even love. And um, I think that his reaction to that stuff is probably not typical to the way a person normally would act. Um, because I think that like a lot of, I think that if like, if like you ever were forced to fight your best friend, like not argue with your best, but like physically fight your best friend, I think, I think that would really, really fuck you up emotionally. Right. And yeah, you know, and he does, I just like, I would just let you kill me. (laughs) Well, he, and and, like there, the, the story does, does, does talk about like how screwed over he felt after the fact by the U.S. government and, like, what he – and, like, which led him down the path that he eventually set out on uh, later on. But, like, you know, I think that, like – I think that Snake, like, both Big Boss and Solid Snake as characters have have never really shown themselves to be, like – um, outwardly emotional characters. And I think that goes along with the, the, the archetype that they, the character archetype that they fill. Um, and I, and I, and it seems that like, it has always been the default to kind of just like relegate that stuff to like characters around snake as opposed to snake himself. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, whenever you brought up this topic, I was thinking about times I've seen vulnerability in male characters in video games, and especially them being like it being like a pretty like emotionally intense thing. So one of the first things I re- that like popped in my mind was uh, a couple moments like you know like Last of Us, uh, uh, being one of the things that pops up and. Things similar to like Gear, uh, Gears of War, like Dom with Maria and stuff, and how many of those games, when they do show emotion, it's because of a daughter or a wife. Yeah. How it's okay if a female is involved. Yeah. Or that it's okay to be like emotional, and when and that's also got me thinking of like, well, what's because uh, I don't know Yakuza, so I didn't know what context you're doing it through. And I didn't realize it was a friend. And that's something I also see more in, like, Japanese games and stuff like that. Because in Western society, even though, like, we have progressed it a lot, like, there still is that thing where there's a line with men. If you're emotionally vulnerable with your male friends, it it means that you're gay. Right. And so people, like, shy away from it because it means something about their sexuality or them as a person. Right. And, like, there's, like, any, you know, talk to anybody who's ever worked with, like, a suicide hotline, men don't normally talk about their mental health with each other. Right. They will talk about, you know, times they couldn't get it up. The the shit they took. Yeah. Like, all those things. But not, like, what you're mentally struggling with or showing, like, real emotions to each other unless it's a giant event that makes it okay. Like, someone passing. Yeah. Having a kid. Like, it has to be a giant, like okay event that's been made and um and i try to really think about characters in games that are men that show emotion where a woman is not involved like it's either a friendship or whatever and a lot of those i feel like with western society they tend to be to make them then kids yeah like 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 boys or like teens because they it's okay if they show emotion because they're not 
they're not adults yet. They haven't learned to handle it yet. So they can be emotional and it's more okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I never really thought, I mean, I've definitely thought about like things that aren't equal society, like parental leave or whatever, but I never really thought about until you brought it up, like the emotional vulnerability of men. And I, and also one of the things that popped in my head was Halo, but then I remembered he's taken as a child. Yeah. Like Master Chief is to like, and I think he's like trained to not have emotions or they're cut out or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not really super far <laughs> into the Halo franchise. Uh, but like, and then also then it came up to wondering some of these older games when I think about them. I mean, Halo, I mean, I, yeah, because three, I don't know when that came out, but it's uh, obviously not as recent, super recent. Yeah. It came out in like 2008. Um, I think maybe some some of the system limitations as well, like sh- portraying that character. But then, uh, like when, you, when we think about like you know, eight bit games and stuff like that, like a lot of those when like you have a, like a male character crying or like showing a lot of emotion because crying isn't the only way to be emotionally vulnerable. Right. But like a lot of those characters were like joke characters. Right. Yeah. Or this is the guy who's super lovey-feely. This is the guy that's crying. Like you said, that with yeah. the Metal Gear Solid, there, there's the one character that cries every game. Yeah. Where it becomes like a joke or a side ca- relegated to a side character. And But when I think about like there's a lot of point-and-click adventure games or story games where there is like emotions shown, Atomi games that have been around forever, like... It has to be a cultural thing and not just system limitations. Well, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's definitely what it is too. And like and like you mentioned Halo, which is I think a really good example because there's a point in the Halo franchise where um, early on, I think you I think that is I think early on in the Halo franchise, it's established that like the relation the the close relationship between Cortana and Master Chief, right? And they're basically like like I would say for all intents and purposes, Cortana is Master Chief's only friend. And yeah, he, she really is like everything I know about Halo. She basically is. And he's been like subjected to all these tests yeah. and all these experiments and to a point where the only person he can relate to is a computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and that's indicative of how emotionalist he is. <laughs> well, like, see, here's the thing, right? Is that, um, I, okay. So I've played Halos one through four. So I don't know. I played Halos. I've of all the games with Master Chief in them. I've played. I've played four of them. I played the first four of them. And uh, in Halo Four, it's to the point where, like, basically Cortana's life uh, is in danger, and uh, there's a sense of urgency with that, right? Like, there's it's very it's a very time is of the essence sort of thing, right? And but like it's it's weird because like there is a disconnect for me a little bit because like Master Chief and like and every like he delivers his lines with the same inflection no matter what he's saying it's all with the same exact inflection and so like you know that Cortana is important to Chief because you've if because well if you if you're someone who has like played the first three games before it like you've been through all these adventures with Chief and Cortana so you understand the importance of that relationship to him right or at least what yeah. it, what is it what is implied to be but at least the presence yeah yeah and so like i get i i do get that like panic never 
has never resolved a situation for anybody. But at the same time, like, I think that, like, my friend's life is in danger. Like, there's a sense of, like, I have an emotional reaction to it, right? Like, as like, what do I, what can I do to fix this? Like, how do I fix this? Right. And like, and like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to feel like my, 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 I'm elevated in some way. And I think that because of how he's, I think because of how Master Chief is portrayed, I think getting that emotion through, like getting the emotion of that sort of thing through is completely reliant on Cortana, right? Like if she doesn't show that emotion, then like it doesn't come through, right? Because it, you're, you can't rely on, you can't rely on Master Chief, right? So all of her, all of like all no, of he her has emotions. Yeah. Like all, all of her, like, I think, I think he's, I think he's a program not to, I don't know if they, they like sniffed him out or what. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's apparent that he is, he is capable of forming connections. Right. And, um, but like, again, but like, even, even though like you, you understand that he's, a, that he is capable of forming those connections, but like outwardly he doesn't. And like, and that's another thing too. Like he can't emote with his face. Cause you like for all intents and purposes, that character doesn't have a face. Right. So, yeah, that that helmet got no emotions. Yeah, so like you have to rely on Cortana to carry it through all the emotion of those interactions, and like when and like when it gets to the point where like, well, something bad might happen to Cortana, like the the seriousness of that and the gravity of that has to be carried by Cortana, and like the way that the way that her lines are delivered, because Master Chief is going to be like, okay, we have to go do that thing and shoot those guys so that doesn't happen, and like. And that but that's the extent that you can ex- that you can expect from him. But like again, that is the character though. Like he's like the he's the stone cold badass all the time. So you know, uh, yeah. Like I mean, like him getting and, emotional is antithetical to that archetype. So and like and like I said, I I I'm not even sure if he has emotions because I think that yeah. might have been snipped out. And, and and they have to show a lot of his emotions with the background music as well. Yeah, and. I think that's part of the reason that people do remember the like music and sounds of Halo so much because th- that character is not going to give you anything. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and like, uh, and I think people would make the argument that like people don't go to Halo for that. But I honestly think that if, if stories are worth writing and if characters are worth establishing, then it is worth exploring who they are as people. Um, because they they have yeah. they have to be more than what we see, right? They can't just be that. Um, then that's when you get a Duke Nukem's. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which and... it, it would be fascinating to see if to to watch Duke Nukem try to navigate any sort of emotional growth. Um, which like and it's it's very that's a funny Play thing. That game. The funny thing about the funny thing about Duke Nukem is. As you get older, well, I, I can only really speak for myself, but as I've gotten older and learn more about, like, people in general, it becomes very apparent that this is some kind of coping mechanism for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's, it's 100% like he is insecure and covering this up. Like, this is yeah. this is his mask. This is his Master Chief helmet that yeah. he's wearing. To cover himself, and but even when I think about like the videos I've seen of the gameplay of because I you know I watched the Castlevania series on Netflix, so I was like, "What's the games like?" And I yeah. like looked them up and watched like YouTube videos and stuff. Whenever like Alucard is with like Dracula and stuff, and you see the lines, like obviously 
and like they're just written, so they don't have like a voice actress in some of them. You can't really get that through. And like that, I do think is some like system limitations. Like you, you can't get like because your character, your sprite can't yeah. like move a lot. I can't like the face can't change a lot. And then I also was thinking about the uh, in Final Fantasy VII with when uh, Aerith dies. Yeah. And everybody like mourns her. At that point, you could show more expression in there. Yeah. But yet again, in my mind, I was like, yet again, a female has to die. Yeah. And I like I, a, a lot of, a lot of that time when we're and yeah, I think that. Um, and getting a man to open up in a video game, a lot of the time, violence against a woman in some ways used as the plot device for that. Um, and it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a very weird fixation, I think, with, um, using women, using violence against women as, as, uh, as a plot device, right? Like, like, it, even, it, even Left 4 Dead does, or not Left 4 Dead, uh, Last of Us yeah. does, because his daughter died, yeah. and so he, and, he's, Ellie is like a surrogate daughter. Yeah, and well, like, and like, yes, you can make the argument that, like, events would have proceeded as they would, regardless of whether or not his daughter died. Um, but the fact that but the, it wouldn't have been emotionally compelling. Yeah. It wouldn't and, have, like, he wouldn't that, have been the, he wouldn't have been the same person. Yeah. That changes the character at that point. Right. Um, and so I think that like one of the things I, I do think that Yakuza gets into, falls into the trap of like violence against a woman being like, uh, a motivation at some point, but it's so, it is so often though, that it is some sort of like. The motivation is a relationship between two men and what and how it has either evolved or devolved, right? And so a lot of the time, like, when you'll see Kiryu, like, doing the things that he does, it's usually because, like, okay, well, this this friend, this brother of mine is in some kind of trouble and I have to help him. Or this this brother of mine is going down this really dark path and I have to stop him. And either way, the 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 emotion the emotional depth is there and like i said i think that yakuza like as a franchise is for the most part like if you ever play any of those games you'll immediately see how like cartoony and over the top a lot of the presentation of those games is but at the same time the it it has it has a very realistic um uh uh portrayal of the range of human emotion because i think that a lot of the times when we talk about emotion in video games especially when it comes to men um it's a very binary thing, right? I'm I'm either angry with you or I'm not angry with you. I either hate you or I don't, right? Whereas I think that where it comes to when when it comes to yakuza, like there's more there's more gradients to that, right? It's like, yeah, there's like I don't like like yes, I am angry with you in this moment, but we also have a past, right? We also have like we grew up together or we've 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 you know, we've fought side by side for a really long time and I can't just hate you, right? And there are times where like Kiryu has had to put has had to like has had to put dudes in the ground, but at the at but afterwards he's always like, <laughs> at, like afterwards he's some slugs. <laughs> well like well like afterwards he's always just like, you know what? Like he was really tr- like cuz uh one of the people that that ultimately dies is his childhood best friend who like ended up like just being corrupted by power and then like Kiryu like eventually had to, you know, do something about that and like um you know, in later games he'll like go to that person's grave and be like, "You know what? Um you're a really good person and you did bad things, but like I know that you were a good person." 
and you know i'm always going to remember you for like all the memories that we have together and so there's there there is there is nuance there right because like you don't just like i think that the way that you feel about people isn't a isn't a switch that you just flip right like if you because i think and i do think most people i know i know quite a few people who are very black and white yeah people. there's you it's either i i'm okay with you or i'm not and once they've decided on one that's just it. yeah until someone does something drastic to change that but that's not how most people operate most yeah. people it's all of it is an accumulation of your experience and your emotions at that time right. and also the action that was done. And, uh, but that kind of, you're going to hate me for saying this, but it kind of reminds me of the relationship between Sora and, uh, Riku in game in kingdom hearts. Cause Riku is like the, I mean, at certain points he's saying he is the, like antagonist to extent, but they competed against each other. But he, uh, but he loved him yeah. no matter what. Like in that, and that's something that also resonated with me with the games and why I love them because I, I know it all now. But I used to be way more obnoxious as a kid, and I would compete with everybody on everything. I hated losing. I, I don't like that past side of myself, which is part of the reason I'm not competitive now. And I don't like being in competitive spaces because I know I can get caught up and I don't like the person it makes me. Yeah. And, but like growing up and real and like seeing that you can be competitive with somebody and still love them. Yeah. I think was a really nice thing to see, but also yet again to a past point showing emotions in this way done by a child. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and so like, I think one of the time. I think what really got me thinking about this a lot was, uh, I think like uh, maybe shit. Like I guess it'd be about three years ago now. Um, I was talking about Wolfenstein, uh, Wolfenstein Two, the New Colossus, and it was the first. And like, like, first of all, I never, I never in a million years thought that someone would make it so that the the main character of Wolfenstein, BJ Blazkowicz would be something that someone that I gave a shit about. Like he was always just the guy with the gun to me for like the longest time. He was just like, he was the guy with the gun. Right. But I think a lot of the, the, the guys in Contra, do I give a shit? Do I give a shit who they are? Do I even remember their names? I don't. I just think the guys, they're the guys with the gun. Yeah. Even, even though we both love River City Ransom, there's not really a lot of difference between the two main characters. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I think it was, so when it got around to, uh, so I played the, so when Machine Games started making Wolf, the Wolfenstein games, um, which it started with um, Wolfenstein, uh, the New Order, and it was the first time that like BJ had actually been like, he actually had like character, right? He actually, there was like, he actually had a personality and like, he was actually like someone that you could like give a shit about, right? Because he was, he was, he was, he, he has things about him that are relatable, um, but then it, but I think that like in New Colossus is when he really kind of really, really opened up as far as like the idea of this tough as nails, like, like very capable and, and just overall badass character who was also dealing with grief in a way that I think a lot of people I've known in my life have dealt with grief. And in the beginning of uh, of of New Colossus, um, BJ loses like a very dear friend of his, 
and which surprise surprise is a woman um but at least it's a friend and not yeah. wife or daughter yeah <laughs> yeah so his, like in the, I, I made a list normalizing uh opposite gendered yeah. Friendships. Which I think I honestly think that this like this whole violence against women as a plot device is is going to be another conversation because there's like plenty of material for that. But um, yeah, but like so he loses this friend right. Her name is Caroline, and um, oh god, I want to sing Sweet Caroline so bad right now. <laughs> uh, but like, here's the thing: is that like he loses her, and as as someone with a lot of family from the south, like. I like BJ is also presented as someone who's because BJ grew up in Texas and I a lot, he's Yeehaw. <laughs> and like the way people the way people in the South I feel deal with grief a lot is they usually turn to a higher power or at the very least they they speak to the person that they lost as if that person can hear them and is watching over them right and yeah. so immediately uh, through most of the game i think i'd say through at least through the first half of the game um after this friend dies he ends up using like he has she has the suit of powered armor that she used to like fight and also to walk because her uh, her legs didn't work but he's falling apart himself so he used that armor to you know f- you know fight back against the nazis and like as he's wearing the armor he like he just talks to her like all the time like he's like he says like when he first puts on the armor he's like he says something like um he's like carolyn i hope you don't mind if i borrow your wings for a little bit and uh which like mm. almost made me fucking cry when i first heard it I was, I, I, <laughs> I was like oh and like um that and like oh, and, then, and then and then like but as he's fighting, like he's fighting, he's like, I've like he talks about like he's like, I hope I'm doing you proud, and I, I hope, you know, I hope that I wouldn't like and, and like he's just, he keeps he keeps talking to her, right? But there's a part in the game later on where, um, BJ runs into his uh, his dad, and early on, like the very beginning of the game, like the, the the his father is portrayed as an abusive, anti-Semitic bigot. Um, who, and BJ, uh, BJ is half Jewish, right? His mother is Jewish. And, um, he talks about how he only married her because like, like her, his father talks about how he only married her because like her dad was rich and he was wanted, like he wanted money and land and stuff like that. Right. And so when BJ runs into him again, as an adult, he goes to their childhood home and, um, he talked like the dad his dad talks about how like he's like yeah i gave your mother up to the nazis because they promised me they promised me immunity and they promised me i'd have power and then like and like bj's like he doesn't immediately lash out like he just like you look at his face and he's just fucking heartbroken and like he like in like his dad is like you know what I told them that you were coming. I told them I knew you're here, and I told them that you're here, and they're gonna come get you. And then, like BJ, like he again, he doesn't lash out at his dad. He just looks at him and he goes, "He's like, Daddy, I'm your son." And then I was just like, "Holy shit!" My heart. <laughs> and he's like, My like the and the way that he that. says it, it's just like, like it's just like he's just he just like 
he is so dejected and like it's just this is just so heavy and like because like you look at it and it, it subverts so many expectations right because the expectation that you see especially like with everything that bj has done up to that point it's like well he's just gonna rip this dude's head off but like no he's just like that's his dad and like he's like of, even after all that he's just like i can't believe my dad would do this and like to see that kind of like depth of emotion with a character like that is just it's just like amazing and um at that point bj is like apprehended by the nazis because they want to they want to execute him and uh they want to execute him they're gonna make a whole public spectacle out of it right and like the whole thing is that like he bj is starting to realize that he may be at the end of his life and he he sees his like he has this dream where he sees his mom again and it's it it feels like he goes like it's not a dream really it's more like a hallucination because he goes in because like he he uh as he's about to be executed he has this hallucination that he's about that he sees his he meets his mom in this office in the building that he's in and he the like he sees her sitting in this chair and he just like he talks to her about his wife he's like i have these two i have twin daughters on the way he's like i want you to meet them so bad and like he uh he he just lays his head in her lap and he's like he's like he just tells her that he loves her and like that is just not something that you would ex- ever in a million years expect to see in a first person shooter where you spend most of it running at 90 miles an hour like chopping zombies uh, not zombies z- nazis heads off right that's just that's what you don't see and so it just and like through and the whole game the whole game is just like emotional gut punches like that and like, in between killing Nazis, yeah, because like <laughs> he even like uh, the first the first woman, the first girl, I shouldn't say woman, the first girl that that BJ ever loved was this little black girl named Billy, and um and the, keep in mind that BJ grew up in and uh he grew up in the like 1930s Texas, and, and yeah, that's. That wasn't looking on well, <laughs> even if he were half Jewish. Yeah, so he grew up in 1930s Texas, and so like that, like their friendship was mostly like it wasn't like a secret because like because I because honestly, and I've said it before, like racism is a is a learned behavior; it's not an innate behavior. So like like his dad was racist, right? But like he wasn't like BJ was like he just this is his friend. So like he's like I don't have any reason to hate you, and but like. You know, naturally, BJ's uh, dad was just like really against it, and he actually used the N word in reference to her. But like, but he like this is like, but like he just had this real like connection with this person, like his like honestly his first real friend. And when he goes back to his uh, he goes back to his childhood home, and he you have all these flashbacks with these different objects, and you see him, like when he's like he like he he doesn't know where billy is because he hasn't seen billy since he was a kid but like he's like he talks to billy like in a very like in the same way that you talk to someone who isn't there and he's like he he's like he's like billy i don't know where you are but i hope you're okay and it is very like refreshing honestly to see characters who are allowed to feel that way and i feel like in that way I'm empowered in my own circles a lot of the times when speaking about things like this to open myself up in that way. Because I think even at 36 years old, I still sometimes – it's still sometimes something that I struggle with is being outwardly and openly emotional around other men because just that's just something that – Well, that's that, that's not how boys are taught to socialize. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's part of the reason why, like, uh, like I said, with like, if you talk to anyone with suicide hotlines, like it's, they're not taught to speak with their friends, especially male friends in an open and an emotional manner. Like right. if they're not taught, like you, like girls are taught to hash it out and, and uh like you know sometimes it's with like petty memes or whatever look at any teen movie <laughs> yeah it'll tell you <laughs> like they are terrible representations but they don't but they they perpetuate the biggest of stereotypes yeah yeah uh, and yeah like that's being talked about more now than ever and um and one of the other things also culturally that's and especially after and this is you know, maybe just speaking for, I mean, all of this obviously is anecdotal, um, but, you know, especially after the Iraq War and so many of our troops came back with PTSD and even though our mental health system in the U.S. is still fucking terrible, yeah, it's, it's more knowledge than it was with Vietnam or even the Gulf War or any of the World Wars about the effects of it and like with PTSD. And I'm seeing more war games, like, talk about it. Like, um, I believe it's Spec Ops The Line. Yes, yes, yes. That he thinks that he's getting commands from this guy the entire time. Yeah. And, like, he... By the way, spoilers for anyone that's going to play Spec Ops The Line, <laughs> if I'm right about the game. Yeah. Uh, he thinks he's getting commands from this, like, old friend, but then he realizes that he... Like, that... And he goes and finds it and finds that friend dead, and he realizes that everything he's done... Yeah. Is is uh, is dissonance from PTSD? Yeah, you're seeing it talked about more in games, and like when you see like old soldiers or whatever, they have PTSD, and it's one of the thing few things that I could think about where it wasn't about a woman, a their child, or uh like vengeance. Yeah, is you know, with showing men in a vulnerable emotional state is PTSD. That's also, it's now culturally okay to show that. And I think that's good because there are so many people who deal with PTSD. Granted, it also still stereotypes that the PTSD can only be thought about wartime. That's an entirely different conversation. Yeah. But I'm glad that, I'm glad that there's like, it, that people are creating storylines around it that are interesting and compelling. Cause I've heard people speak well of the spec ops line plenty of times. And, um, yeah, like, you know, with doing all these different games and, and like, or movies or shows or any sort of media that people consume, having it be in there, even if it's not the main focal point, does normalize it. Yeah. And I, I mean, of course, that game, I don't want to say, like, glorifies it, but it definitely, like, is a very big dramatic. Sure. Drum, drum, dramatization of it because it because most people with ptsd are not going to go on giant adventures thinking that their friend is telling them to do this and finding out it's all well i i think that the exploration of any kind of mental illness in video games is important especially like but i think but it all comes down to like how it's presented right because i think that i think one of the major pitfalls that video games have fallen into and like for a while is kind of gamifying mental illness a lot like um like with games like Eternal Darkness, like I think that like I think I think the way that that game tries to the game that game makes mental illness a uh, uh, a game mechanic 
in a way that like I think is hard to is like I think is like really hard to take seriously. Um, but then I also think about like I think about Darkest Dungeon too, right? Where I think like I think about like how and- I think about <laughs> how like one of the things that I don't I I'm not going to say that Darkest Dungeon is the best portrayal of mental illness because honestly it isn't, but I will say that it is one of the few times when um, the stress of doing like that kind of thing is actually represented in a video game because I think a lot of the time when we're talking about video game characters and the ways that they the 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 challenges that they navigate like we don't really talk about like what kind of effect these things have on them right um and so I think that darkest dungeon is one of the few games that I played where like that's actually explored um because like because once you uh for those who haven't played it once you've hit a certain level in your stress meter and that's done through like battles or going to the dungeon or yeah. your torch going low but the stress once you're in stress is in or insanity meter has hit a certain level either a negative effect happens or a positive one yeah uh, um and so and so like some people's breaking points do get them out of terrible situations like some like the whole thing where like sometimes you have to hit rock bottom so you can dig yourself out cause yeah. you need that like that level and it's true some people do at certain points with certain things like they just they are the type of person that has to hit that point to get better yeah and um not that that darkest dungeon is that nuanced with it yeah but and i, I do definitely think with, i do dealing with dealing with eldritch tells yeah and I, and I do i do think <laughs> that like that that darkest dungeon's portrayal of mental illness is also problematic uh and i i think that the only game that i've actually played that actually actually done it with any sort of like real respect and reverence is hellblade um but uh isn't, i mean this game is about depression and stuff yeah. uh but uh but really, like it's. I was, I was gonna. I was gonna bring up another game too. It's a PTSD thing, but I can't think of it now. I made a point. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh. Well, that here's. But like, but like, it like it's so funny, right? Because like, when again, when we go back to talking about like men being openly emotional and like showing anything outside of anger, um, because again, anger can be justified by anything because anger is the manly emotion, right? So we don't need we don't need something crazy to justify that, right? But I think that when it comes to like sadness or 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 fear or loneliness or anything in between, like he needs he always needs something that like really pushes him to that point like my kids got to die or something crazy like that has to happen, right? And it is never like I it's never it's never just I just feel that way right now. Right, it's never just. I just feel sad right now, right? And and, so, and some of that, and like some of that, you get in like sim games, but you're so detached from the game, like The Sims or other simulator games, yeah, like like that, where it's like Second Life or whatever. It's you're so detached from that character that it does. It's or even like you know the people who. Uh, like even like World of Warcraft characters and stuff like that. There's some that are just like depressed and lonely, like NPCs that you find. Yeah. You're not really that character. It does show it, but you're, it's, you see so many characters, you see so many people that it's just a wash in the sea. Yeah. And I guess like in some points, that's definitely like some like you know representation and normalization of like people having different emotions and it being okay for them to be like that. Uh, but I, I it's not. 
like a focal point. And with some games, and of course, games are have at some capacity, most of them, especially like action adventure games or first person shooters, <clears throat> like you have to have like some sort of compelling storyline. Right. And somebody just doing something and then just throwing in there that like he feels like lonely throughout all this. It, do- it doesn't necessarily fit and feels like it may be feel like it's ham fisted. And so if that's the reason why your game doesn't have it, I guess it's understandable. But I, but more and more games having things like Yakuza where it's showing male friendship and even like showing different storylines like uh, The Last of Us even though like it has to have this cataclysm it does show different forms of masculinity right and and being vulnerable with it wanting to be a good father want having imagining that life of being a good husband as well and having that not hit your expectations and dealing with everything that's going on as well as the loss of that is compelling yeah and same thing if you were a woman who lost your kids or husband not that that story happens as often but um two of the games i wanted to bring up though was um like heavy rain i think and i think was very interesting to show a lot of different facets of male emotions granted it's a lot and there's definitely some really campy over the top things and things that are just funny about the game and of course it's like uh like i think life is strange is also touted as being very compelling i don't really know the story of that but uh as far as uh oh my god my brain just broke for a second uh, what was the thing about like before Life is Strange? Uh, Heavy Rain. Yeah, Heavy Rain. So, like, with the with, because you've played it before, right? Nope. Uh, All right. Well, I don't play David Cage games. Well, I played it when it came out, but uh, and I haven't. Uh, so I, so in there, you're playing different viewpoints and different right. people, and like as the games go on, you see how they're all interconnected. And with it, like, you see two brothers, and one brother is, like, falls in this, like, hole and like, this drainage and is, like, trying to hold on. Yeah. And, like, it's the older brother, and he's, like, and the younger one's trying to, like, get him out, and, like, he can't. And he goes to his dad, and his uh, dad's so drunk that he, and he doesn't give a shit, nor does he believe him. Uh, and, like, that spawns basically a killer. Uh, and, like... You see those things that, like, you see traumas of men that cause them to do certain actions. Yeah. But very rarely do they explore the man, feel like, feeling it and how he thinks about it. Like, when you tell me about the BJ Blaskowitz, like, Daddy, I'm your son, like, you don't really see a lot of that. You just see that, like, trauma happened, and so now they are this person. Well, yeah. I think yeah. that's really, and I think that's really... And I think that that's really touching, like makes my heart hurt hearing even you just talk about it. Yeah. But I also wanted to ask you because, and it may, and I'm glad because uh, you mentioned Red Dead Redemption before. Yeah. And some of, the, some of the things that people absolutely love, some people do love the story of it. I love that story. And I want, it's a and, great game. And, and you said that as well. And I wanted to know, so what is like, 
John Marston like? Is he also because I know he has like a son and yeah. family. Yeah, in it. he has. I don't remember his wife's name, but his son's name is Jack. Uh, Jack. And so here's the thing about John Marston, right? Is that like, okay, so in, okay, so in Red Dead Redemption Two, like it's a younger John Marston, right? And he's very much like so that game and that game is, and again. And Red Dead Redemption 2, John Marston is a secondary character, right? He's a side character that you interact with. But he's very much kind of, he's a very irresponsible, like, young guy. Um, he has, like, he does have, like, um, these moments where he shows you, like, how loyal he is to people. Um, especially when it comes to matters of his his wife and son. And, like, and, and I think that, like, he... I think early on he was very irresponsible toward his son, but like there's a, there's a um, later in the game, later in Red Dead Redemption 2 and in the, in the uh, epilogue, he shows himself to be like a much more, he makes a, he makes a stronger effort to be a better father and husband. Um, But like, I think that a lot of the emotional range in Red Dead Redemption 2 um, comes from Arthur uh, for the most part. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, like, and that's another thing, too, right? Because I think that, I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is a very, I think, because I think that, honestly, Red Dead, the first Red Dead, Red, Red Dead Redemption game is, like, more about, like, I'm just trying to get out. I'm trying to get out of this life, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to have peace for me and my family, and so. I, I gotta rob these things. Yeah, and then I got and I, and I, I got things to do. I have shit that I have to that I have to do. But like Red Dead Redemption Two, though it 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 is a much longer game. So it also, but a, a a benefit of that is it gives you more time to explore the relationships between Arthur and the people around him, right? But the most important one I think that you that is 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 discussed throughout the game the relationship between him and Dutch, right? Because the relationship between him and Dutch is that of a kind of an adoptive father and son. And there is a lot of conflict that comes with that when, you know, you start seeing something that you've always that you've looked up to for the last the last 20 years of your life. And they start doing stuff that's kind of suspect. And as <laughs> as things as things go <laughs> and as think as, as things as time goes on, like he starts being more weird and more violent. And so like you and then so you watch Arthur kind of try to. Um, uh, uh, navigate that right. Come to terms. Well, yeah, because like he's like he's like okay, well, this shit is wrong, and I'm trying to also balance that with my loyalty to Dutch, right? And so watching him go through that and hearing him talk and um, there's this so there's this moment and spoiler alert for anybody who is actively playing Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, but there's this moment where, uh, Dutch and Arthur and a few of the others in the gang end up on this island because they get shipwrecked, right? And there is a point... Wait, are they in the Wild West? How are they shipped? No, fine. So, it's, there's this... That's mo- a point. Sorry, keep going. Keep going. There's a, there's a thing. They, they end up having to get on a boat because Dutch has this, has this plan to get on this boat and, like, he has... Because that's the thing about Dutch. He always has some kind of plan, Right. And I forget why exactly they're stowing away on this boat, but they do. And the storm hits, and then they end up on an island. Anyway, so like, the island is inhabited by like by a bunch of people, 
and uh, one of one of one such person is this woman who seems to know her way around the island, and she like knows all these secret passages, and she's like, hey, like I'll like pay me, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you two secret passages and help you out to uh, to help you escape. Um, and like that lady helps them like a lot, and then Dutch like kind of just like hauls off and like strangles her to death. And he was, oh. and like, and he's just like, as you, and, as you want to do, yeah, yeah. And like, and he was like, in Dutch, justifies it, but was like, well, she knows all our plans, and we can't have her going off and telling everybody about our plans. And then like, Arthur looks at him, and that's the first, that's the moment I think where Arthur's trust in Dutch broke, because he just looks at Dutch. He's like, he's like, you gonna strangle me too, Dutch? And that's, and at that moment, like, that's when you know that their relationship is like never, like they've they pass the point of no return at that point. And, but again, it's one of those times where like, where you get to watch the relationship between two men devolve. And it's not something that happened. Like, it's not like a light, a, sw- a light switch is flipped and then they're at each other's throats. This is like a, st- he betrayed us. <laughs> we must kill him. Yeah. And like, and this is something that like, it's the, uh, it's a betrayal that's like gnawing in the back of Arthur's mind. Right. Because he knows that Dutch isn't all there, but he's like, but this is like, this guy's like my dad. Right. So like, Dutch. yeah, like, so like I, and I, I love this guy and like, I, I don't want to believe that he's, that he's becoming who I think he's becoming, but like, it's really looking like he is. And, um, and like so like but again like it's one of those times where like you could imagine in any other kind of video game where that would happen and then it's just a fight right then right it's just like then they're just fighting and for the longest time we've that's how we've known men in video games to kind of express themselves emotionally is by yelling and hitting each other right um and so it's nice to see that like it doesn't it's not always that's not always the path that we go down right that's not always the end result and and it's important to kind of explore the idea that and like and i'm not i'm not by any means trying to come off as like saying like like men have the worst representation of video games ever because i let me tell you something that's women (laughs) women have women have it a lot rougher but like i think that like women of color specifically (laughs) but i think that it's important to to normalize these things because i think that also again we don't talk about these things, right? We don't talk about how men are feeling a lot of time and it causes a lot of problems like in real life. Like that's like a lot, a lot of men kill themselves because they can't talk about, they don't, they're not able to talk about how they feel. So. And that's, and, and talking about one poor representation or wanting to see more of something in games does not at all detract from other problems that exist or wanting to see more of other things as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one thing that with these conversations that when people bring what aboutisms uh, and like, like it's some competition for what's the most egregious problem in video games. Yeah. And not that this is even just the most egregious problem in video games. It's, I mean, it's like we said, it's culturally. Yeah. And seeing this more and more and having even those small instances for the last like decade, couple decades of seeing more vulnerable men it's it's nothing but positives um it's one of the few good things i can say about it is uh it's movies but the uh fantastic beast series and fantastic beast and where to find them series one of the main things that i did really enjoy about it is newt 
uh, Scamander is he's kind of like he shows a different form of masculinity. Like it's kind of hinted at in a lot of the fandom that he's autistic, and but none of it is he really like braggy or showy. And having these small instances in every media type it gives people more to relate to that they like how they are is not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and it's, it's important for people to feel like there's not that they're not broken or that there's something wrong. Cause I, I, cause again, I grew up in a, in a, in a household where uh, showing emotion was, is a very normal and regular thing. Like I was always told to do that. Um, and, but I think that a lot of the time, like, you know, I grew up, a lot of time getting made fun of for it right and i get i i and to this day like it's something that i still kind of contend with uh but i think it's important to normalize that stuff so that people know that they're like there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with being sad there's nothing wrong with crying or or talking about how you feel it's it's normal shit and and yeah and being emotional and vulnerable has nothing to do with your masculinity and i think and i i can't speak for other girls but, I mean, for sure, especially growing up in the time that I did, I went through a big phase of, like, well, I'm not like other girls. Oh, yeah. Did you get because... did you get Pixis? <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, seeing all these examples of what people think is cool, yeah. what the cool personality is in video games, because I played a lot of them, is, like, that stoic character or that character who's like super smarmy and smart assy yeah uh and that that's what's okay that's who i want to emulate even as a woman and like playing these games is because that's what pe- that's what i think people want yeah and there's not a lot of nuances and personalities and yeah like it's i don't know i i i think it's it's just, having these discussions and having more normalization of these things across the board, whether, uh, and I don't mean this to demean any conversation, but even like games like Kotar and having like alien species that may not have a gender, having some of them have more nuanced storylines that emotions and experiences have a, have a vast array and exist. I, it's just nothing but beneficial in my mind. Yeah. So, and I think honestly, like, and it's, and I, I do think that um, we need to, and we need to um, kind of inject more of that into the action game uh, genre because I think that's where it's needed the most, honestly. And and don't get me wrong, I don't want people to shoehorn like heavily emotional plots into their game just to have them. But I do think that like there are there are story beats in a lot of these action games where an emotional response is 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 appropriate right and i think that uh a lot of times these things are overlooked for one reason or another but i if we if we can normalize male characters who show like a different side of themselves and show themselves to be like human beings really faceted yeah because i i think that i think that the the i think that emotion is like is a huge spectrum right and there's a lot of gradients from from one extreme to another and i think that also like feelings the feelings that you have toward other people are very non-linear and so if we can find more games that can explore that and find more realistic ways to portray that and believable and relatable ways to portray that then i think it'll feel more normal to people who play these video games and by extension improve their lives in the way that you know hey look i'm not afraid to talk about how i feel because like this this badass guy here 
he you know he he did it and so like it should be okay for me to do it and i don't think that it should have to come to that but i do think that we do turn to media for how we should carry ourselves a lot of the time and i think that if it's a media like if it's if video games are a media that you heavily uh ingest then you should definitely be able to see that sort of thing in that media um and so like and and i think that one thing that like you, you and i have both have a lot of experience with is persona 5 right and i think that specifically uh with with the kids in that game and with with re, with both both ryuji and yusuke um they both they're both very emotional people like ryuji has like more uh, joker the joker isn't yeah but, uh, but like joker's always it, joker's more like of a blank slate uh and so but like uh, but with Ryuji, like he he deals a lot. He does a lot with anger. But like you know, there are times where like, um, where like early on in the game, where like you're going you're going out to eat ramen with Ryuji, and he talks about like like you say if you say something to him that kind of validates his emotions or validates how he's feeling or thinking, and he's like he's like man, no one's ever made me feel like that, and he's like like well, well, oh my gosh, well like specifically he yeah. specifically he says you're the only guy that's ever made me feel like that. And that's important. And like people don't like people, people, people never talk about that. But like it's so important that like Ryuji, like he was able to talk about his feelings with his with his with this guy and like feel validated, you know. And and yes. And I hate how much Mona shits on Ryuji. Yeah, I really, really do. Um, But like. I think it's one of the the things, again, what we talked about, where emotions are relegated to side characters. Yeah. Granted, Persona is five is more nuanced than than other games I could think of uh, with the fact that it has those interactions. And then uh, with Yusuke, it's super antagonistic on that friendship. It's very much Yusuke being very condescending and also a bit of a also a creep to Anne. But slowly growing as a person and showing that and that's what a lot of that game is about you don't really like when they talk they keep mentioning in that game if you've never played it rehabilitation yeah uh and like and in there and what that means and it and i don't and since the joker is such a blank slate and even the the options that you can pick on for conversations on how to answer yeah they all they're all like largely indifferent (laughs) Yeah, there none of them are an opinion or a personality. Yeah. And but as you go through the game, you see the growth in the people around you. Yeah. It's showing and I think that's one of the good the things that I like that I think is done well when you have a blank slate character is because like obviously you want that so you can hit the biggest demographic. Yeah. And you want people to be it's same thing with like young adult uh, fiction and teen shows like where like people complain like twilight like the main character has no personality it's so the person can inject themselves in that way right but like you see the growth in the people around you and how your character has instigated that growth and yeah. those things and that works so well with the persona series and i think that's a time where a blank slate character can be so beneficial because you can you can inject all your own things in there yeah. that still affect people because as a grand scheme and a lot of things like your emotions don't necessarily dictate those around you, but your actions do. Yeah. You can be lonely. You can be 
you can be mad at the situation that you're forced into. But if you're putting in those steps to benefit those around you and connect with them and try to connect, like it's, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like one, one last thing I'm going to say about how, about how, uh, 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 men's emotional state is represented in video games versus women. Um, so this is something that I've said many times uh, in conversation that typically doesn't go over very well, but it is something that I truly honestly believe. Um, so let's so look at Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, right? And mm-hmm. Cloud is very much, for most of the game, he is very much like a... Uh, uh, well, I won't want to say most of the game, but for like a fair portion of the game, he is very much like a... Like, I'm a mercenary, and I don't give a shit about any of this. I'm just here to brood and feel and, and feel and feel and badass, be badass and be a badass. And that's all my, that's my whole thing, right? Fine. That's everybody – like, see, people see that, and everybody's just fine with it. That is not – that does not make an interesting character, but everybody's fine with it, right? But fast forward to Final Fantasy XIII, Lightning – is the exact same character archetype. It is the ex- lightning is the exact same thing as cloud, and everybody shit all over lightning because it's just like she's just so she's just so wooden and emotionless. It's just like I don't get it. And it's like you know, like it, it, we were you were fine with it when it was cloud, right? But in, obviously not in Japan because Japan fucking loves her. Yeah, <laughs> uh, her and Vanille. But, uh, yeah, but no, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, like, I heard a lot of people shitting on her, and I'm just like, I, it's, there's a lot of Final Fantasy characters. I mean, like, look at X2, Pain. Like, there's a lot of characters, like, there's a lot of characters in every fan of fa- Final Fantasy game that fit that I'm a blank slate mercenary, I'm gonna be mysterious and be basically emotionless for most yeah. of the time, and then it's gonna be super impactful whenever I am emotional and give a shit about something. Yeah, and that's just and that's just and that's just a theme. You're right. Like it's 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 a theme that happens with the Final Fantasy franchise, and even in like games like Bravely Default and other Square uh, SquareSoft games, like or not SquareSoft, Square Enix games, uh, like. It's a thing. It's like it's a trope in a lot of those like Japanese RPGs too, like of that character. It's just an archetype and people it suck it up. It's just a character. Yeah. Like it, or, like, not, like I mean like not like suck it up it's just a character because of all our past conversations, but I'm just saying like that character fitting an archetype I don't think is necessarily a problem. It's how it's used and dispensed and is it glorified or vilified or like how are you doing it's interesting like why is that character stoic and giving it more nuance and if you're like and you're right if they're going to complain about like lightning then they should complain about cloud as well yeah and like so if you're not complaining about either of them like either yeah. of them that's also fine yeah uh because like i don't I, I think they're both fine really but it's just like like i don't i don't have like really i don't have real affection toward either character i just feel like the 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 reactions to each of them is interesting um only in that it is predictable um but uh, the only know, one i give a shit about is Seth <laughs> <laughs> uh, which like you know i don't know what see you know what's funny about like as a as an aside i like 
I think bef- like bef- I saw Sephiroth before I ever actually played Final Fantasy VII, and I just assumed he was a vampire because he just he looks like a vampire, so I assumed he was a vampire. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he might as well be. It, it, Sephiroth's story, I what I, as a Square fan, I is so unimportant in like if who he is as a person. Fuck it, make him a va- vampire. I, I think mean, like, that would actually maybe make him cooler if he was. I mean, Val- we got Valentine, so vampires exist, so, like, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, he's got a cool theme song, and that's really all I give a shit about. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think I'm gonna watch Advent Children after this. Uh, despair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drink this water. That's what he did. He's like, he like, come over here and drink this water with me. Uh, if you haven't well, seen that, also, oh. if, if you haven't seen that movie, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's a part where where a bunch of uh, where a bunch of creepy dudes get these kids to drink this creepy water, and it makes them all sick. And that's the movie. Yeah, there's there's also a part where he says, uh, "I'll make you feel despair, or make you something about." But he says despair and has his hand like this. So, yeah. uh, and, like, you can't see me if you're listening to this, yeah. but it's just like imagine, a, like, like, a, a, like, a hand like, hold, holding... A brandy glass. Yeah, <laughs> just imagine them holding something, but nothing there. Yeah. So, uh, it was a big... It was a really big th- meme for a long time before the term meme was generally used, uh, where it was uh, Sephiroth and someone put a pear in his hand, because it sounds like it oh, says despair. despair. I get it. Dis- <laughs> I remember that, actually. Despair. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll make you, I'll make you taste despair <laughs> uh and so yeah that's that's the thing that always pops in mind is a theme song and pears yeah love Seth Rothfuss and pears <laughs> um now i also want to watch advent children but yeah and I, I i when you brought up this conversation uh i was busy doing stuff but it didn't uh it hasn't been something i've really been thinking about but i do think it is something that uh should be commended when when done well because it's something that as a society, I do feel like we need is men feeling more comfortably vulnerable, especially with other men. Yeah, that's a big thing, right? Because I, because I, I, like growing up, like most of my, I feel like, I feel like I made sure to that I that I had more than a few uh, friends that were girls because, like, I felt like I if I was going to talk about how I was feeling with anybody, like you know, it had to be a girl. Right. So, and it wasn't until, yeah. like, it wasn't until like I became an adult that I was like, I can actually talk about these things with men too. But like when we were younger, like that just wasn't something that you did. Um, and I like, it's not how you're taught to socialize. Yeah. So I, I'd like to think, I'd like to hope that, you know, boys are being brought up differently now. Um, and they're more comfortable with talking about how they feel with, with other boys or, and and not being made to feel weird about it, um, but I do I do think though that that normalizing that sort of thing in popular media is going to have a huge effect on that stuff, and I think it is important to continue to to foster that, um, and I think that as long as we as long as we keep seeing that, then the more normal it will become, and it will be something that people won't have to worry about so much, but. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I think that it is worth pointing out when it does happen. And, you know, as long as it's, if it's done well, then it's, it's always going to be worth celebrating. So that, those are, those are my thoughts on that. 
Now I, I got I got nothing else to add more than that. You su- you uh, summed it up well. Yeah, it was very uh, succinct. I almost said the word succinct, but I was like, that's why I went to summed it up well. I was like, I was gonna say you're very succinct. I I sucked it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's our show today. Uh, you can find us on most podcast apps like. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. We're also on the YouTubes if you want to see our faces or see me try and mime yeah. holding a pear. Despair. Uh, <laughs> and mm, bye, guys. Later.